When giving advice in confession, you uh, kind of give advice based on the age of the uh, person who is in the confessional. And so I tell the grade school kids that they need to obey their mom and dad, you know, based on the fourth commandment. Uh, but when they get to high school, and I suppose even beyond, I tell them they need to respect their mom and dad. That when they're old enough, uh, they realize that their parents aren't always right. Um, hopefully that's not news to you. Um, but it is possible for an authority figure to, um, to teach something that is wrong, whether it be a parent or a coach or even a priest. Uh, for example, when I was in seminary, there were some guys that were there in seminary against their parents' wishes. I can think of one kid from the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois. He had come from a long line of doctors, and his parents weren't too happy that he wasn't going to be a doctor. But this man was just following in the footsteps of the apostles in our first reading. He was putting his obedience to God ahead of his obedience to his parents. In the first reading, the apostles are brought before the Sanhedrin. The high priest reminded the apostles that they had already been told not to teach in Jesus' name. Yet they had filled Jerusalem with the teachings of Christ and blamed the Jewish leadership for Jesus' crucifixion. Peter and the other apostles responded by saying, We must obey God rather than men. How many times have we failed to stand up for Jesus? to stand up for a Catholic faith. The Sanhedrin ordered the apostles multiple times to stop speaking the name of Jesus. Did they stop? Well, no. Instead, they rejoiced because they had been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name of Jesus. The world would love if Catholic Christians would stop teaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus. The world would love it if we stopped teaching that Jesus is our Savior. The world would love it if we stopped teaching that any sexual activity belongs in marriage only between one man and one woman. I mean, I don't have time to go into it now, but if you disagree with this statement, I dare you to read up on the theology of the body. St. Pope John Paul II shows us that our desire for unconditional love and our experience, sometimes painful experience, of love and relationships point us to God and the teachings of the Catholic Church. We must be bold. We must be fearless. We must not stop in teaching the name of Jesus. We must obey God rather than men. We believe that a relationship with Jesus will bring the most joy into someone's life. It is for their good that we tell them the truth of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross and rise from the dead, to forgive us our sins, and they give us the gift of eternal life. These are ours if we believe in him, that we believe that Christ is worthy of our honor and glory and worship. In the second reading from Revelations, John talks about the angels around the throne of the Lamb that was slain. The Lamb that was slain is obviously Jesus. St. John writes that the elders fell down and worshiped the slain Lamb, Jesus Christ. In your life, in your prayer, do you give Jesus the Lamb that was slain, His due glory and honor? Does your relationship with Jesus affect everything in your life? In the Gospel, we see the Apostles do something strange. Jesus has appeared to the Apostles twice after the resurrection. 
Now it's true, Jesus wasn't walking with them, at least physically, day in and day out, like he had been for the previous two or three years during Jesus' public ministry. But ever since Jesus had risen from the dead and had appeared to them twice, because Jesus did walk with them daily, it appears that the apostles didn't quite know what to do, what to do next. The Gospel today is from the last chapter of the Gospel of John. Simon Peter doesn't seem, know, doesn't seem to know what to do, and so he invites his friends Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two others to join him fishing. Now remember, fishing is what Peter, James, and John did for a living before they started following Jesus. So in the midst of not knowing what to do, they go back to something familiar. Now we know that later, at Pentecost, the apostles receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in a radical way, and from that point forward, they are an unstoppable force in evangelizing people to the truth of Jesus Christ. But at this moment in the Gospel, that is still a couple weeks away, and so for now they don't seem quite know what to do with themselves. Now again, at least three of these guys were professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing, and yet they caught nothing all night long. After a long night of catching nothing, in the light of dawn, Jesus, stand, Jesus stands on the shore and asks them, Children, have you caught anything yet? Have you caught anything to eat? And they obviously replied, No. Now they actually did not yet know it was Jesus, but Jesus, when Jesus told them to cast their nets over the right side of the boat, they obediently did what he said. Now I'm not a fisherman, but you know, any boat that I've seen, it really isn't all that wide, and there can't be that much difference from one side of the boat to the other. And so it's nothing short of a miracle that when they did what Jesus suggested, when they casted their nets over the right side of the boat, they caught so many fish that they couldn't even pull in the net. Why did Jesus allow them to struggle all night long? Why did he save them their time and effort and come to them as they were leaving shore? God has our back. Maybe not in the way or the time that we would like, but Jesus always has our back, our best interest in mind. Sometimes we need the struggle to grow in virtue. It is in the miracle, this miracle that they recognize Jesus. And Jesus then invites them to breakfast. Notice that Jesus already has the bread and fish cooking. The fish that the apostles caught doesn't make the meal, but it adds to the meal that Jesus has already started. We don't have to invent or create a reason for our existence. If we try, we will fail. We can try to convince ourselves that the reason for our existence is to be good or maybe even the best at sports or academics music, maybe to have the most money, to gain fame, to gain popularity, or something else that we invest our identity in. But sooner or later, these things will fail us. Because of your baptism, your core identity is that of a beloved son or daughter of the loving God the Father. The purpose of your life is to play your role in salvation history to play your part in the battle between good and evil. Or as the Baltimore Catechism says, God made me to know Him, to love Him, and to serve Him in this world, to be happy with Him forever in the next. 
Our hearts desire to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And, if you, and as Catholic Christians, we are called to participate in the greatest adventure of all time, the salvation of humanity. Yes, Jesus is the Savior who died for our sins and rose again to give us eternal life. But we have to allow that grace to win in our hearts. We need to encourage others to follow Christ's saving grace and to allow it to win in their hearts. Again, after breakfast, Jesus singles out Peter. This is what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus told Peter that he was going to build his church up on Peter. Here Jesus publicly restores Peter after Peter denied Jesus three times during his passion. Here Jesus allows Peter three chances to affirm his love for him. Jesus responds to Peter's affirmation by saying, Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Again, Peter is given the singular role of supporting everyone else in their faith journey to Christ. Remember, it is the same Peter in the first reading as in the Gospel. Remember, the Gospel takes place first. The Gospel is before Pentecost, whereas the first reading is after Pentecost. Because it is at Pentecost that the Apostles are given a radical gift of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit we receive at our baptism and confirmation. Even though it seemed like a ridiculous solution, the Apostles threw the nets over the other side of the boat at the suggestion of Jesus. Just as the Apostles in the first three rejoiced in obeying God rather than men, so must we obey God. And even when it doesn't make complete sense, as long as it doesn't contradict the revelation given to the Catholic Church, then we need to do what God has revealed to us in prayer. Again, we must boldly do whatever it is that God wants us to do. Maybe like me, for some of you, maybe you are even called to enter seminary or religious life. Or maybe that you are called to stand up to that one person who is bashing the Catholic Church at work. Or maybe you are being called to quit putting off the call to prayer in that daily life that we have sometimes in our hearts. When we obey God rather than men, we will do amazing things. I love being a priest. I can't imagine doing anything else. But from the time that I first thought about being a priest to the time I entered seminary, it was seven long years. Even when I did enter seminary, I was thinking to myself, if I get kicked out in three months, great. I'll go on with my life, get married, grow old, and die. <laughs> so don't be like me. Be bold like the apostles. Obey God rather than men. Don't be afraid of what God is asking of you. If you do what the Lord is asking of you, I promise, you will do amazing things. Things you could never have seen coming. And you have a joy that no one can take away. Or as Pope Benedict put it, The world offers you comfort, but you are not made for comfort. You are made for greatness.